gospel. I got a little cartoon I want to show you right up here. Uh, it, uh, you can't see it very well, but a guy, a little scientist there has a little formula, right? And he's explaining the, the theory of evolution. And there's some numbers and some figures on this side, some numbers and figures on the other side. And in the middle, it says, then a miracle occurs. And uh, he says, I think you should be more explicit here in step two. Uh, there's been a debate raging over the past few hundred years about the origins of the universe. Where did all this come from? How did we get here? Why are we here? Were we made? Uh, is Big Bang uh, evolution? Uh, you know, there is, there's a so-called contradiction between religion and science. Some believe that science is rooted in facts and religion is based on myth. Any rational, intelligent, and thinking person would surely hold to the theory of the Big Bang and the theory of evolution rather than the biblical account of creation that is found in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. For Christians who hold the Bible to be the inerrant word of God, we are called to believe in the account of creation as told in Genesis. Why? Because if the Bible is not accurate, this is so important, if the Bible is not accurate in matters regarding to things like creation, uh, then how, how do we know if it is accurate in other matters? Matters such as the gospel and salvation and the history of the church. If we cannot trust Genesis, then how can we trust Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, books like that. How can we trust Revelation if we can't trust Genesis? The fact is, if, if we cannot trust all of the Bible as being true, then we cannot trust any of the Bible as being true. I trust that the Bible is, is God's word, and I trust that the accounts of Genesis are true, uh, in that uh, it is called faith, and that's what it's all about. It's about faith. Uh, in uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's faith. Uh, in that great chapter on faith, the author addresses the doubts of people regarding creation in, in Hebrews 11.3. He writes, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This morning, we are going to begin a new sermon series that will last throughout the rest of the summer months called Stories we know. We're, and uh, Joanne hates my graphic, but I like my graphic. It's got you know, kind of the old book with the gold writing on it. And I made that, and I think it's cool. So, nah. We're going to be looking at famous stories from the Old Testament. I love this sermon series. I love stories from the Old Testament. I just get into them because it teaches us how God relates to people. The stories from the Old Testament is all about the interaction of God and his people. And so we're going to learn a lot this summer about how God interacts with people and how God deals with his people. And, excuse me. And as Christians, we are God's people. And I think it's a good thing to learn how God interacts with people. My goal is that, the, uh, that we will look at these stories in a new way and we will discover, in fact, how God does interact with his people. This morning we're going to talk about the creation account of Genesis 1 and the beginning of Genesis 2. So you got a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's uh, the very first page of the Bible, Genesis 1-1. In a 2005 poll conducted by Newsweek and BeliefNet, 80% of Americans believe that God created the universe. Do you believe that? 80% of Americans believe that God created the universe. Only 10% say that they do not believe it was created by God. 1% said that there is no God. And 9% said that they did not know. 
In a different 2005 poll, 81% of teenagers believed God was somehow involved in creating humankind. So we have all these people who believe that God created the universe, but yet the debate still rages on. Today we're going to talk about what the Bible says about creation of the universe and humankind. So let's begin by looking at the biblical account of the seven days of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. In the beginning there was nothing. There was only God. Father, Son, and Spirit. Now we tend to think of creation as the act of uh, the Creator, as the act of God the Father. But the Bible clearly says that it was the Spirit, that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So you got God the Father, you, the, you have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was there too. John 1.3 says this about the Son. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Paul said this about Jesus in Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. On day one, the Father, Son, and Spirit set about creating the universe. The earth itself was formless, and water covered it entirely. Everything was dark until God spoke and said, Let there be light. And light appeared. While there had only been darkness and chaos, now appeared order and light. This was not the light of the sun and the stars. This was light itself. God separated it from the darkness, and the first day came to an end. The concept of days in the Hebrew language is a varied one. Sometimes it means a literal 24-hour period, such as in Genesis 7-4, where God told Noah, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth, and for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. We're going to talk about uh, Noah, and crea- uh, Noah and the flood in a couple weeks, or, or next week. Next week, I think. Maybe. In Genesis 29.7, the word day is used to represent the hours of daylight. It says from the New American Standard Bible, He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is a time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. So it represents the hours of daylight from sunup to sundown. In Genesis 35.3, the word day means an indefinite period of time. Jacob talked about the day of his distress, which meant a period of time rather than a 24-hour day. So what does the word day mean in Genesis 1? There's a lot of debate raging over this. Is it a literal 24-hour day? Is it an indefinite period of time? I believe, this is me, I believe that it means a literal 24-hour period of time. Now some would argue that it cannot possibly mean that because our days are governed by the sun and the sun wasn't created until day 4. Some would say that God is not limited by time and therefore a day in God's mind might be something vastly different than a day in our minds. That's true. But I believe that God used the word day to describe his creative work and that the most simple and understandable way for us to understand, uh, understand it is the concept of a day. God is not deceptive, and it is well within the realm of possibility for God to do all of his creative work in a literal six-day period. But that's just me. 
Do I know for a certain? Am I absolutely sure? No, I wasn't there. I didn't sit there and, and count down with a clock, 24 hours. Okay, God, you got 17 minutes left. That, that, that's not the case. So I cannot say 100% certain knowing the facts that uh, the day period of creation was a literal 24-hour day. I wasn't there. But the Bible says it was a day. There was morning, there was evening, and the, the first day. And so I believe that it was a 24-hour day. Well, let's talk a little bit about day two, Genesis 1, 6 through 8. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. On the second day, God created the sky. Uh, there was still no dry land on the earth. It was still covered in water. God created, basically, he created the atmosphere on the second day. The King James Version calls it the firmament. He put a limit on the waters and confined some to the earth and others to the sky. Clouds are made out of what? Water. And uh, they are separated from the earth and the sky. You, you ever think about clouds? I, I mean, more than just sitting there trying to find the, the shapes in them and stuff, but just how awesome clouds are that there's, you know, water, frozen water vapor hovering above our planet all the time. It doesn't make sense. I mean, who could think of a cloud? Who thinks of clouds? God. God thought up clouds. He said, I'm going to make clouds. And, and boom, clouds were there. What is interesting is that God called these things uh, day, night, and sky. In ancient times, if you named something, it meant that you had ownership of it. If you named something, it, it meant that you had ownership of it. And God says, uh, he named these things sky, uh, he named them night, uh, day. In other words, God owns the day, he owns the night, he owns the sky. We'll see on the next day that he also owns the land and the seas. Uh, look at day 3, Genesis 1, 9 through 13. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetable vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Uh, on day three, God moved the waters to their places, and dry ground appeared. Isn't that beautiful? It's the Aleutian Islands. Just, just beautiful. Wouldn't it have been amazing? Wouldn't it have just been amazing to watch this? Yeah, I've told you before, I hope there's like a, a cinema in heaven, you know, the multiplex, the Googleplex, whatever you want to call it, you know, and we sit there and now playing. You know, you call up a movie phone and this Friday, opening, creation, you know, and, and come watch the seven days of creation. The debate finally comes to an end. Was it a literal 24-hour day or was it a period of time? Anyway, it'd just be so cool to watch this all come together, to watch God take mountains and go, and there's a mountain, you know, the Himalayas, and, uh, you know, moving water around and land and stuff. How did he do it? The Bible says he spoke and it happened. I, just, uh, I love creation. I absolutely love this story. Uh, to watch waters retreat and gather to their places and, and the dry ground of the earth appear. And not only did dry, dry ground appear, but God created plants and vegetation. Uh, and the beauty, uh, the, the, much of the natural beauty of this world was created there on day three. Just the, the beauty of creation 
all came together. Trees, plants, flowers, and everything that grows out of the ground were created on the third day. I got, we have beautiful flowers in our backyard. It was cool. We moved in last year um, uh, on May 2nd, I think it was, or May 3rd, and uh, we, we bought a house sight unseen. Uh, we had had a house that we were interested that we had looked at a couple months before. Uh, we couldn't afford that house, and we, we were in a time crunch. We wanted to buy a house. And so my brother and his wife uh, went over to this house, the one on Arbogast where we live now, and they took a bunch of pictures and video, and they emailed us all these pictures and this video and stuff. And we said, all right, we'll buy that house. So we, the first time uh, we stepped foot into the house, we already owned it. And uh, we, we, you know, it's kind of cool exploring the house and seeing all the different stuff. And it's like, wow, this, this is our house. And, uh, uh, and, and there's a lot of vegetation in the backyard. We had no idea what it was. And then uh, we, we went through the month of May, and then we got into the month of June, and all of a sudden these shoots started coming up out of the ground very fast. It's like, I wonder what those are. And then one morning, opened up the, uh, the blinds in the back, and there were just a yard full of tiger lilies. It's like, how awesome is that? We have tiger lilies. We didn't even know it, but we have tiger lilies. You know, it's cool. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. That means I've got to take care of this stuff. Oh. But they're beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous, these orange, beautiful orange blossoms in my backyard. Well, on day four, God continued his creative work, Genesis 1, 14 through 19. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. On day four, God created the stars, the sun, and the moon. What a powerful creator we serve. What an absolute powerful creator. Think of all the billions of stars in the sky, more than we could ever possibly count. God created them all in a single day. In a day. He thought of and created all of the gases that were necessary uh, to keep stars burning for, for thousands, excuse me, thousands of years. The creation account doesn't talk about other planets, but I would be willing to bet that this was the day that God created other planets as well. That he's just creating all the stuff out there in the universe. What a busy day of creation. God fills the universe with the stars and the moon and the sun. What a huge and a vast expanse uh, to fill, and God filled it beautifully. I remember being, uh, in 1996, I went to Grand Guave, Haiti on a mission trip. And uh, it, unreal, just Unreal. Some of the most beautiful uh, natural beauty I've ever seen. Some of the most depressing poverty I have ever seen. And I remember being there and sitting on top of the compound that we were staying in on this mission trip and looking up at the sky at night. And it's like 93 degrees. I mean, it's hot and, and, and it's humid because you're surrounded by ocean. And, and it, it's pretty miserable. But for just a brief moment, the misery kind of ebbed away. As I sat there, lying on my back, looking up at the sky. Very few streetlights in Grand Guave, Haiti. There's not a whole lot of light to kind of wash out the sky. Here, you know, you kind of step outside your front door and look up. You can see the moon and two or three stars. When we were down there, it was nothing but stars. And the sky actually glowed like a turquoise kind of color. Because there's no light to wash it out. And it was just 
I'm thinking about it now and seeing it in my mind. It was just absolutely beautiful. The sky is so clear. And you can watch weather satellites track across the sky. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I see this little satellite going right across the sky. And then a little bit later, another one. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, all the stars in the sky. Um, we also, on that trip, we got to watch the moon rise. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden the moon, it, the sky starts to glow like it does with the sunrise, but only this was the moon, and the sky starts to glow, and all of a sudden, just over the horizon, the moon comes up. It was beautiful. And uh, we saw the Southern Cross, just an amazing mission trip. I thank God for that opportunity. Well, let's move on to day five, Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. On day five, God created all the creatures of the sea and the air, fish, birds, Two things that in Minnesota that they love to trap and capture and kill. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. <laughs> Day six. We, we won't talk about uh, that right there. That's Minnesota wildlife for you. Right there. Yeah, you betcha. That's good eats right there, I'm telling you. I've lost my Minnesota accent. Oh. Hopefully they won't listen to this one on the internet going, who is that guy? Uh, day six. Uh, God creates his ultimate creation. God creates Adam. No, wait, not that, Adam. <laughs> Genesis 1, 24 through 31. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild, uh, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Not everyone believes that we are God's most highly prized creation. In the summer of 2005, the London Zoo posted a sign in front of a new exhibit reading, Warning, Humans in Their Natural Environment. The exhibit featured eight homo sapiens in a sealed enclosure adjacent to another sealed enclosure of various primates. This is true. The human captives were chosen from an online contest and spent their time sunning on a rock ledge, playing board games, and waving to spectators. A signboard informed visitors about the species' diet, habitat, wild, worldwide distribution, and threats. The goal of the exhibit, according to zoo spokesperson Polly Wills, was to downplay the uniqueness of human beings as a species. Seeing people in a different environment, among other animals, said Wills, teaches members of the public that the human is just another primate. 
Tom Mahoney, one of the participants in the exhibit, agreed. A lot of people think that humans are above other animals, he said. When they see humans as animals here, it kind of reminds them that we're not that special. Not that special? Not that special? When God created human beings, he said that his creation was very good. On all the other days, creation was good. Up until that point, creation was good. Once human beings were created, the creation became what? Very good. Not only did he pronounce creation very good, but he put human beings in charge of the whole thing. He gave us dominion over the earth. Now, with dominion comes responsibility. This does not mean that we can trash this place. We must take care of this precious gift that God has given to us. Finally, on the seventh day, God rested. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Then the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. He created everything that needed to be created. He made it all, from the duck-billed platypus uh, to the pine trees uh, to uh, the uh, sharks and dolphins. God made it all. He filled the land and the seas and the universe, and he was finished. Now, this does not mean that he stepped away from his creation and said, you're on your own, as though we were some kind of, uh, of a cosmic bowling alley. He did not just throw the ball and wait to see what happened, you know, when you go bowling. Speaking of which, uh, in August, we're going to have our, our uh, annual bowling tournament, just so you know. Check that out at the Welcome Center. Um, but you know how you, when you go bowling and you let the ball go and you just kind of wait to see what happens? For me, that usually means gutter ball. But uh, for good bowlers, it means, you know, it's going to knock some pins down. And, of course, we try, you know, it's like, y'all do that? You know, it's like, uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Got her. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Got her. God doesn't do that. It, it, this wasn't creation. Ooh. It, it wasn't that. God is still active, and he is still moving in his creation. He rested for one day, and then he went right back to work, but not the work of creating. He had set, he has said about the work of sustaining his creation. He created, now he sustains for you see, God is a loving creator. This is the first of three brief points I want to make about the creation story. God is a loving creator. How do we know this? If you look at the world around us, you will see that a God of love created this world, and a God of love created the universe. From the content of the atmosphere, which is perfect to sustain life, to the position of the earth and the solar system, also perfect to sustain life. God made the perfect place for his most precious creation to live, thrive, and grow to know him. If God is loving enough to create the perfect place for us to live, then he is loving enough to save us as well. When Adam and Eve first sinned, things changed. The creation was no longer perfect as God had intended it to be. Sin messed everything up. It ruined our relationship with the creation around us as humans, and, and we now had to toil with the earth. It ruined our relationship with one another as we no longer get along in perfect harmony. It ruined our relationship with God as we once had intimate fellowship with him and now we face separation from him. But God is a loving creator. He has created a way back to him through his son Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross to demonstrate the awesome love of God. God is a loving creator. God is also a creative creator. 
Look at the universe around you and you will see the evidence of his creative capacities. From the beauty of flowers, plants and trees, to the many different types of animals, to the, to the rings of Saturn. The rings of Saturn, how gorgeous are they? Everywhere we look, there is evidence of a creative creator. Only God could make a fingerprint. Think about that. Think about it. For every human who has ever lived, there have never been identical fingerprints that we know of. Never. Only a creative God could make all the colors of fall. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. We still got like two or three months until those colors come out, and I'd prefer to wait a little bit uh, before those colors start coming out. But they will change. The leaves will change, and we will be surrounded by unsurpassed beauty. You know, you think about our country here. It's 4th of July weekend. We think about our country a lot this weekend. We think about the freedoms that we enjoy. We think about the, the sea, the shining sea, the purple mountains, the, uh, the, all that stuff. You know, I can't think of the song right now. But, uh, you know, the beauty that we have in this country that we call America, from the amazing shoreline, here we go, from the amazing shorelines of the oceans, to the majestic mountains, to the cacti of the desert, to the beautiful cornfields of the Midwest, this is an amazing place to live. This is an absolute amazing place to live. We live in a beautiful, beautiful country. You know how else I know that God is a creative creator? Because humans are made in his image, and we are creative people. We like to create. One of my favorite places to go is the Art Institute in Chicago. Uh, it is full of human creativity. It might be creating beautiful paintings, sculptures, jewelry, or photographs of God's creation. But whatever the case may be, humans like to create. It's because we are made the image of a creative creator. God is a loving creator, a creative creator. Say that five times fast. And God is a powerful creator. He spoke and worlds came into being. He spoke and stars appeared. He spoke and plants grew up out of the ground. God is powerful. He is huge. He is awesome. He is amazing. He is powerful. He took some mud and formed human beings from it. All of the amazing systems of the human body were formed from dirt. That's powerful. Only God could do that. He is our powerful creator. I get a an article in my email every Monday morning from professor and journalist Terry Mattingly. And in his talks, author, he, he, uh, he talks about Philip Johnson, who is a biochemist. And uh, he, he talks about the Gospel of John, which states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. After reading this, Johnson asks, Do you believe this is true or false? Then he turns the scripture inside out, and he creates a credo for use in sanctuaries aligned with the National Center for Science Education. It sounds like this. In the beginning were the particles, and the particles somehow became complex living stuff, and the stuff imagined God. After reading this, Johnson again asks, is this true or false? Johnson argues that today's debates over science, creation, and morality are literally clashes between people who believe there is scientific evidence that God created man and those who believe that there is scientific evidence that man created God. If there is no creator who has a purpose for your life, then there is no such thing as sin, he said. Sin would mean that you are in a wrong relationship to your creator. Well, you can't be in a wrong relationship with the particles. They don't care. So you don't need a savior to save you from the consequences of your wrong relationship with the particles. He says, when you give away creation, you give away everything. When you give away creation, you give away everything. 
Creation is such an important issue, and we need to know where we stand. If we are going to believe the word of God, then we must believe in the story of creation. God is a loving, creative, and powerful creator. We see the evidence everywhere we look. You know what's amazing? We get together once a month, uh, Nikki and Bob Rooks and myself, we get together and we plan worship a month at a time. And uh, we got together to plan the month of July worship. And I hadn't told them what I was preaching on. Uh, and I, I was coming up with some, some suggestions for songs that we might be able to sing to go in uh, concert with the sermons I'm going to preach. And uh, today's sermon was on the story of creation. I thought, we need to sing songs about how amazing and powerful God is. And I thought, we need to sing, we need to sing God of Wonders. Uh, we need to sing Indescribable. We need to sing Famous One because they all talk about how amazing and powerful God is. And so I wrote those down. Nikki comes over and she says, you know, I'm thinking one of these Sundays we need to sing God of Wonders, Indescribable, and Famous One. I, I'm, I, am, I am dead serious. I mean, that, it, and it, that is how awesome and powerful and amazing God is. He does stuff like that. We have an amazing, we serve an amazing God who loves us very much. Let us honor and worship. Folks, when we get together and we worship, okay, it's not about coming together and just singing some songs and feeling good. When we get together and we worship God, we are entering into his throne room, the, 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 the very presence of the creator. Like what I talked about with the kids, you know, that when we, where two or three are gathered, he is here. The creator is here. The father is here. The son is here. God is here in our midst, and when we are singing our worship songs, when we are praising him, he is honored by that. He is pleased with that. When those songs come from the heart, it's not just, like I said, it's not just about singing some songs and feeling good and shaking some hands. There is something real happening when we worship and praise God, and he deserves our honor. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise, for he is good. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is awesome. He is loving. He is creative. He is God, the creator. And he is worthy of praise. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of creation. For in it we learn just how awesome you are. And to think God that you would want to have a relationship with us. We who are sinful, we who fall short, we who are pathetic when it comes to our weaknesses and our failures. But Lord, you took care of all of that on the cross. Not only did you make us, not only did you create all the beauty around us, but you made a way back to you. For we do sin and we do fall short. And you bring us right back. We thank you for that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.